Okay, Boker Tov, good morning. We are here at Kilat Shifte Yisrael in Ranana, in person, studying Sefer Yoshua. Uh, this is our fourth shiur in the in the series. As uh, as you know, I've been putting up the uh, recording and putting up the shiurim and sharing them in the uh, in the group. So if you want to do Chazara, or if you miss a shiur, you can always you could always listen. And last week we studied the story in Parak Bet about the two spies that Yehoshua sends. Their mission is a little, a bit of a, a bit of a debacle to some degree, right? They uh, they're found out immediately, so their cover is gone. But because of the heroism of Rachav, so they end up um, she saves them, and they end up getting the information that they really wanted. The information they wanted is to know what is the mindset, what is the mentality of the people in Yericho. Are they ready for us, or are they afraid? And by they essentially learn that the people of Yericho are panicking and frightened. And that gives Amisrael a boost for them to know, okay, we're going to be all right in this first mission, this first war of conquering Eretz Yisrael, it's going to go okay. And that's what they needed. They needed that moral boost. They needed that, that confidence that they could, that they could do this. Um, and uh, remember, they haven't gone to West Point. They haven't gone to Badachad. You know, they, I mean, they, they actually, they did. They, listen, they, they beat Sichon to Og already in the Ever Dane. So they've engaged in some war, but, um, you know, they, they didn't uh, pass all the Gibushim, okay? And they didn't, uh, you know, they're not all in Sayyid Matkal. So they, they all have some, uh, you know, they, gotta, they have some confidence issues. And that's what the story ends up giving them is that sense of confidence. They're afraid of us. They are afraid of us. We should have Emunah Hashem. We can, we can do this. But the heroine of the story, of course, is Rachav. And I just want to review some things from, from, uh, from last week that we didn't, we, we focused on a little bit, but there's more, more to mention. So Rachav is fascinating because she's a Zona. Okay, a Zona is one of the most, how shall we say, um, uh, they're in the lowest parts of society in Tanakh. Okay, and, uh, and that's obviously anyone who, you know, Zona is someone who is, is, is maligned, a person who is, not maligned, a person who, who is at the bottom of society, okay? When we think about the, the, the values of, of a Jewish society, they're on the bottom. And, um, and yet, she shows us that someone who is, even in this state of things, uh, has the ability to redeem herself and to do tshuva and to, to change her ways and to pick a new, you know, a new path. Now, you might have thought that what she does is expedient. She sees the spies there and she says, wait a second. I, I want to go with, I want to be on the good side of things. I want to be, I want to be with the winners. I want to be on the, the guys who are the victors here. And you know how, uh, what we call them, front runners. When, uh, when your team keeps losing, so you switch to the team that keeps winning. Okay, that's the, uh, but she's not a front runner. I think it's much deeper than that. It's not just that she thinks, I'm sorry, I'm going to defeat uh, Yericho. If you listen to her words, they're very powerful words of inspiration. Okay, she she sees certain things, and she recognizes that uh, if we just go back to some of the psukim here, she, you know, she says, "Listen, ki Hashem hu Elohim She's a strong faith in Hashem, and, uh, and 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 it's a very powerful testimony that she gives. She mentions Hashem's name. She makes him take a take an oath. And this, this awareness that she has reminds us of another outside peripheral personality who sees certain things that in some ways even Amishel do not see. Anybody know who that is? 
Ah, Yefemod, Yitro. Yitro is also an outsider. He comes to join Am Yisrael in the desert right before Har Sinai, before Kabbalah Torah. And, she says, and he says, Baruch Hashem. He says, wow, blessed is Hashem. And he praises Hashem for the miracles that Hashem performs in, uh, in the Mitzbar, in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now Yitro is also an outsider. He's a non-Jew. He's also someone who's engaged in Avodah Zarah and idolatry. He's not exactly a model, a model figure, although he is Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law. Oh, no, this is afterwards. He guides Moshe. But beforehand, he, he didn't quite, you know, he didn't guide Moshe. But he is the model of, of the outsider sometimes can see certain, certain things that the insider can't see. Right? And this is Rachav, and this is also Yitro. Okay, and Yitro enables, for the first time, the Jewish people, when they meet Yitro, they're like, wow, our story really is incredible. This is unbelievable. We left Mitzrayim. Hashem took us out of the Yad Chazaka. And he split the sea because when you're in it, you can't see it in the same way. But when there's an outsider who sees what you see, it really reinforces your perspective. I'll give you an example. We don't have so many friends in the world these days. <clears throat> and it's their fault, not ours. But there's one, there's one general that I think of. <clears throat> by the name of Richard, I think Richard Kemp is his name. Richard Kemp is a general in the British Army. And, and he is someone who recognizes the challenges that Israel faces fighting against, you know, Daesh, Islamic State, Hamas, Hezbollah, all these guys. And he has been an advocate for Israel. And he's just one guy. He's one, uh, one general amongst many in the Western world. But when, when you hear his perspective, it really gives us a feeling of, wow, okay, there is at least one non-Jew out there who gets it. Okay, there are more. There, say again? Yeah, no, agreed, agreed, agreed. But Richard Kemp has been on this, you know, on this on the uh, the speaking tour for many, many years. He's a military man. And he's a military man, exactly. So he's speaking from expertise. He's not just some TikTok influencer, you know, with, with, with you know, with zero... Uh, Credibility, except for the fact that he can make 15-second videos that a lot of youth like to watch, you know, and uh, you know he actually has expertise, and it means a lot to us. It reinforces. It says, okay, you know, we don't have everyone on our side, but but there's someone, somewhat somebody sees sees the light, and I think that's the same. That's the same role that Yitro has for the Jewish people, as well as in this case. I mean, Rachav also does this for the uh, you know for the spies, you know, as uh, as well. I'm sure her people didn't think really highly. Well, that, well that, but that's the whole point. That's the whole point. So her story is also the story of, of a balat shuva, how a person can change around. They could be on the bottom and they could raise themselves up. And, um, and I think the, uh, yeah, we were discussing a little bit last week the, um, the, the meaning of this, this red uh, crimson, the tikvat chut hashani. And uh, I think someone may mention tikva hope. So this hope represents uh, the hope of the Jewish people conquering the land, bringing Torah values to the land to a place that's you know that that is that is stuck in Canaanite you know paganism. But it's also the you know the hope of of Rachav, of a woman who goes from being on the bottom to to redeeming herself. Okay, and uh, and the Midrash even uh, sorry Rashi even suggests. I'll just pull up Rashi for a second. Rashi says in um, you know he says here in uh, in the second parak 
Okay, in uh, in pasuk tetvav, when she she lets them down by the uh, by the rope. Okay, the spies go up by the rope because she's in the. And Rashi points out in this pasuk, the same rope that was used for the adulterers to climb up. Okay, this the same rope is used for the spies to come down and to uh, to to save themselves and to go back to Yoshua and to uh, and to share the uh, and and by the way, what happens to Rachav? If we look in Parak Vav, if we look in Parak Vav, um, in Parak Vav Pasuk uh, Pasuk Kavdalid. Okay, in Perak Vav Pasuk Kavdalid, Ve'et Rachav Azonav Ve'et Beit Aviyah Ve'et Kol Asherla Hechaya Yehoshua Vateshev Bekerav Yisrael Ad Hayom Azeh. She doesn't just join the Jewish people, you know, sort of on the on the sort of on the side. She ends up joining. She ends up dwelling Bekerav Am Yisrael. Okay, if you just look up this pasuk, Bekerav suggests that she is, she's she's really a uh, you know a, a part of a part of them. Okay. Um, let me see if any of the parshanim pick up on on this on this word. But Bekerav suggests that she's she's not a peripheral figure, um, but she's really a part of things. Ah, Bekerav. Okay, so the Malvam points out. Uh, okay, fine. She becomes a you know real part of the of the community. According to the midrash, she even marries Yehoshua Benun. Okay, so but this is the story of uh, of going from. From nothing to uh, you know to uh, to greatness, um, the uh, and even according to the Gemara Masachet Megillah Daf Yudalad Amudbet, as some of the Neviim came from from Rachav. Similar story reminds me now. Similar story to to Ruth and Moabia. It's Dafka from Ruth that redemption comes. Dafka David Amelach comes from Ruth, and her background around Moab and uh, and uh, Moab and Ammon, who were way, who were born in sin when Lot's daughters. Uh, you know, get him drunk, intoxicate him, and, and sleep with him, and, and Ammon and Moab are born. And from there, the root is then born, Moab, root and Moab, and then from there, ultimately, though, David Melech and Mashiach. So this is a story of, you know, of human redemption, okay? And, and the whole point, I once saw an article by Rabbi Meir Salavechik, that maybe some of you have heard of him, a very well-known speaker, and, uh, and he, he points out that our view of the Messiah is very different than the Christian view. He does a lot of comparisons between Judaism and Christianity. He studied Christian theology uh, in, uh, in, in, at you know, university level, you know, did his doctorate on comparing them. And one point, for, for the, for in Christianity, you know, the Messiah is, is, is divine, essentially, right? And he, he holds all the sins of human beings, blah, blah, etc. But in Judaism... Mashiach, David Amalek, Ruth—they come from the human beings with who have sinned, the human beings who have, who have flaws. Okay, but ultimately their stories are about redemption, are about improving oneself, about moving from being at the bottom towards being at the uh, at the top. And so David is someone who sins, but he does tshuva. Okay, Rachav is a woman who sinned, but engages in a whole process of uh, of tshuva as well. So this is not just expediency. This is not just her. Uh, you know, choosing to be on the victor's side, the winner's side, you know, switching from Manchester United to Manchester City because, you know, they win one particular year. This is really about a whole transformation, like a whole religious transformation. And, um, and it's very powerful. It's captured in the, uh, the Midrashim as well.
Okay, this is um, this is the story of Rachav, and that was Parak Bet of Sefer Yoshua. Now we move on to Parak Gimel. Let's move on to Parak Gimel. Okay, so Parak Gimel, we're going to talk about the crossing of the Jordan. Okay, I'm just going back to Parak Gimel here, so I can pull up some of the parshanim as well. Vayashkem Yoshua Baboka. Yoshua gets up in the morning. Apologies that we still don't have our Tanachim. When that bookshelf comes, okay, I don't know when it's going to come, but please God, it should come soon. Then we will, um, then we'll unpack some of the boxes, clean up downstairs, and put up the boxes. Books. Yoshua gets up early in the morning. Whenever a person gets up early in the morning, it suggests alacrity, okay, seriousness. Avraham gets up early in the morning, and he takes Yitzchak and he goes to the Akedah. The same thing is true in the opposite sense. Bilam, okay, Bilam saddles his donkey and goes in, uh, you know, early in the morning to go and, and curse the G, the, uh, the Jewish people. Okay, so So this is on the third day. Okay, on the third day, remember if you recall, uh, Yoshua already told them in the first paragraph, "Be ready for the third day." Okay, and so now they've reached the third day. Now it is important to understand that the um, that the the story of the Miraglim takes place in between, and that story appears to take longer than three days because they they have to hide in the mountains for three days. So it's likely that the story of the spies takes place before before um, Parak Aleph. Okay, he's already sent them out. Okay, and then he tells the people, start preparing for three days because we are going to, uh, to cross the Jordan. Um, now, just a word about the Jordan. What's the root of the word Jordan, anybody? Root of the word Jordan. Yarad, Yerida. Why do you think the Jordan is associated with Yerida? Is it goes downwards. Okay, it starts... Uh, it starts... Yeah, so the Jordan rides. Does it start all the way up at the Hermon? I'm trying to remember if it starts up at the way all the way to Hermon. Well, it really comes from the, the Kinaret. So it's, but the waters from the Kinaret start up all the way at the, at the Hermon. Okay, the Jordan River is coming down from the, I'm sure you've seen the, the banks, right where the, the beginning of the Jordan River, right at the south of the Kinaret. And, uh, but it goes down in the sense that it goes down to the deepest place of the earth. Okay, the Dead Sea is the deepest place yeah. on the earth. It's sort of, sort of pretty cool, huh? And, uh, and it's on the rift. It's on the, the African, uh, there's a term for it. Uh, it's on the rift, which cuts across all the way down to, uh, to Africa. The, the great, uh, great, rift, uh, great Rift Valley. And so it goes down in, in, in altitude. And, in, you know, and that's why it's called the, called the Jordan River. A lot of the Jordan River, as you know, has been... Uh, has been um, Diverted. Nahon, apparently, eighty percent, ninety percent of the of the Jordan River has been diverted at this point. It's not quite the mighty Jordan River. When Bill Clinton came here in, I think it was two thousand and one, two thousand, whatever it is, he says, yeah, he's he's a he's a religious Christian. In certain parts of his life, he was a very religious man, and uh, and he um, and he wanted to see the mighty Jordan River. So they took him to the Jordan River, and he's like, that's it? You know, you could jump across the Jordan River on a, on a, on a quiet day. Yes, correct, correct. If there are rains, then it, then it does. It does. It is a little bit, uh, it is a little bit more serious. Correct. Okay. 
So they travel from Shittim to the, to the Jordan. And they sleep there that night before going across. So the, the three days eventually you know, pass. And all of this Shotrim, the officers, you know, um, you know they, they uh, walk through the camp. And they have the following command. They give the following command. When you see the Aaron, the Brit of Hashem, which signifies the covenant of Hashem, this is going to be a procession. When you see the Aaron go forth, you are going to walk after it. But stay a little further away from it. 2,000 amot behind it. Don't go too close. So you know the path that you need to, uh, you need to follow. Um, okay, you don't want to have... Uh, let, let them go forward, essentially. And they're going to be the... Um, they're going to be the... Uh, the Chalut... The Skandi? The advanced... They'll be the Sayarot that go, that go before him. Um, because you know you don't really know the way here, and you don't have GPS. GPS doesn't work in war zones. I don't know if you know, but they they uh, uh, they they switched off uh, some of uh, what's uh, not what's up, but ways and stuff in in certain areas, so that you don't know how many cars are on the road, you know, etc. Second, they don't give you at all. you have no idea about kakim. Exactly. Yes, it could be a bit of a a bit of a disaster. This is this is a hundred percent true. Um, now, Rashi already tells us that something is different about this this journey. Okay, Rashi points out if somebody wants to sorry go down and close that glass door. Apologies, but there's noise from the gun. If somebody wants to do it. This journey was different than other ones. They used to have the Amud Anan. Okay. And, uh, and they would see the the Derech uh, because there were, there were actually two Shvatim. Thank you very much. There are two Shvatim that would travel beforehand. And then they would see the Aaron. Now the Aaron is going first. Why? There is no Amud Anan. Okay? There is no Amud, uh, Amud Anan. And we're going to see why that is significant. That there's no, there, there's no Amud Anan. Um, yeah, um, Okay. Good. So there's going to be a new, new way of traveling. And the Jewish people need to be notified about this new way of traveling. Vayomer Yoshua Alam Hit Kadashu. Ki machar Hashem Niflaot. Yeshua says, you need to sanctify yourselves. Okay? Because tomorrow wonders are going to happen in your midst. Yeshua tells the Kohanim, carry the Ronabrit and now start traveling before the people. And they carry the Ronabrit and they travel before the people. What is going on downstairs? No idea. Okay, now. Let's talk about the significance of the of the Aaron. What is the Aaron? 
So the luchot of bit are inside. Correct. Okay, thank you. Sorry, what was going on there? Oh. No, no, they really shouldn't be. So what's the significance of the of the of the Aaron? Okay, why why what does the the Aaron signify? So, so the Luchot are inside the Aaron. And the Kruvim are on top of the Aaron, and Hashem would speak to Moshe from in between the uh, the Kruvim. Okay. But the, the Aaron in general um, represents the uh, by the way, the Kruvim also come up in one other place in Tanakh in the beginning of Sefer Breshit. The Kruvim guard Gan Eden. Okay. Um, but the, the Kruvim and the Aaron are the representative, of you will, of God's presence in this world. Okay, that's what the Aaron, that's what the Aaron represents. Uh, that God could have a, a relationship with uh, with humankind. And and that's what this that's what this represents. Um, the uh, the Kruvim are let me talk about each of the different features. Number one they were badim that were always in the Aron. And Rav Hirsch explains very beautifully, you weren't allowed to take out the, the uh, you know, the uh, the badim. You weren't allowed to take out the, um, not, the, the not the badim, the badim oh. are the, the rings. The, uh, you couldn't take out the poles because the, um, uh, because it had to, sign, it signified that the Torah is something we take with us wherever we go. Okay? Right? We take the Torah with us wherever we go. And the Aron signifies, it's always, in a sense, transportable. Okay? It's meant to be something that we transport with us wherever we go. Sometimes we get, uh, you know, we think that Torah is like just in the Beit Knesset. It's in Shul. Or it's, you know, no, it's something that we take with us wherever we go. And uh, you could download Torah on your phone today. There are little booklets you could take, you know, that they print that you could take with you everywhere, everywhere you ever, everywhere you go, and it's really, you know, the Aron is, uh, you know, it's captured in the uh, the Aron. Now, what do the Kruvim represent? The Kruvim that's sit on top of the Aron. What do the Kruvim represent? What are the? Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to go talk to the uh, the Gananot, uh Downstairs in a little bit, but um, what do the what do the what do the uh, what do the kruvim represent? Maybe in some ways of the Israel because they said if they if they were correct. Together, they when they be, nachon, if they look at each other, that represents the Jewish people. <coughs> nachon, nachon. Um, the um, you know, and I think I think another meaning of the of the badim and the and the aron, which is transportable, is that is that you know Torah is never in stasis; it's always moving forward. They're always ain Beit Midrash Beli Chidushim, and we're not supposed to be in stasis. We're not supposed to be stuck in our in where we are. Okay, we're always supposed to be moving and moving forward and you know, moving up that moving up that spiritual ladder, taking steps forward on a daily basis. We should never be stuck, and uh, and that's that's also what I think is captured by the uh, by the Aaron. Um, and they always go to war with them. The Nachon, the Aron, they go to war. If you remember in Sefer Shmuel, which we studied already, the Aron is captured by the by the Plishtim, and there is a discussion about whether there are two Arons. Was there an Aron Milchama and Aron that stayed in the uh, in the Mishkan, or in Shiloh, or where there is, or or was it just was it just one? Um, the um, the um, you know, and part of it was that the Aron was meant to bring protection, and the, and the shock. Of Sefer Shmuel is that how wait, how could the Aaron possibly be be captured, mm-hmm. right? They end up getting it back in Sefer Shmuel, 
And um, and if anyone wants to know what happens when you open up the Iron, you could watch Indiana Jones <laughs> and the Raiders of the uh, of the Lost of the Lost Ark. Now that's the right. It really uh, really captures this. Um, now the um, the first time the Iron travels is actually in Sefer Bamidbar. Right, by he bin Soha Aaron, by Yom Moshe Kuma Hashem Yafutsu Oyvecha. Okay, and um, to some degree that promise went unfulfilled. That was, you know, the Sefer Bamidbar really is broken up into three different parts. Okay, there's the first nine chapters, then you have by he bin Soha Aaron, and then you have the rest of the Sefer Bamidbar. And there, the Gemara Masachat Shabbat discusses this. Rashi also explains in the uh, in the Psukim there that. Um, one way of understanding this is that the first nine chapters of Sefer Bamidbar, they're getting ready to go in. Okay, the next Sukim of Ahibin Saron, which is very short, they're nuns. There are these like backward nuns around it. That's what was supposed to happen. They're getting ready to go in, and they're supposed to now enter Eretz Yisrael, and and the Aaron is going to push away all their enemies. Okay, now what happens? That vision, that dream, goes unfulfilled because the very next Sukim we have. The Jewish people start complaining. And instead of this incredible vision coming to fruition of a Yibin Zoharon, so the people are complaining, and then there's Korach and Shlach and, and Balak, and all these terrible things happen. And the Jewish people lose their, lose their way. So now we're to some degree, we're picking up on where we, where we sort of, where we left off. Say okay, let's now continue the journey that didn't happen. Okay, now we can start again. Forty years later, Am Yisrael looked very different. The previous generation has died out. There's no Amud Anan here. Okay, we'll see there are other significant differences as uh, as well. But um, but the the uh, but the Aron they're they're now traveling forward, and the idea is that the Aron is going to, you know, shoo away, push away their their enemies. We'll see what actually happens. But this is the uh, this is the vision. Yeah, So um, okay, so up to Pasuk Zain. Vayomer Hashem El Yoshua. Hashem says to Yoshua. Okay. Um on this day, Achel Gadelcha Kol Yisrael. On this day, you're you will be considered great. You will be seen as great. I'm going to raise you up in the eyes of the people. Asher yeidun, that they will know, ki kasher hayiti i Moshe yeimach. Just like I was with Moshe, I'm with you as well. Okay, so Yeshua is going to emerge stronger. His leadership will, uh, Am Yisrael will see it and say, wow, this is our leader, Yeshua. Okay, he's going to be put on an equal level with uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. Now they have very specific instructions. When you get into the Jordan River, stand in the Jordan. Just stand there. Stand in the Jordan River. Okay, Ta'amodu. Um, now, I'm just thinking about this. They're going to enter around the time of Pesach. So it's possible the Jordan River is about as big as it gets. Right? It's right at the end of the, of the rain season. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're going to walk into the Jordan River, and they're going to stop. And guess what, what's going to happen? Their shoes are gonna get wet. Okay, <laughs> the uh, you know. Okay, I'm gonna tell you a, a story. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it reminds me the uh, in, in memory of an of an old chanich uh, of mine, a neighbor, Judah Man Zichonoli Vracha. His memory should be for a blessing. 
Um, we were, I, I once did a, I had to organize a, a night activity in camp. This is in Camp Mosheva, Machana Mosheva, in Indian Orchard, Pennsylvania. And we thought, you know what we'll do? We'll do a night hike. Okay? Night hike in the forest right next to the, right next to the camp. So we thought, okay, how are we going to do this? We have a hundred kids with us. We don't want to lose any of them. We're going to get a rope. All the kids are going to bring flashlights and they're going to hold on to the rope and we're going to, we're going to walk through Brilliant idea. Right? Now, what happens? We start walking with a rope. First of all, none of the kids brought flashlights. Okay? okay? That's number one. Number two, it was much darker than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was, like, really dark. <laughs> and then everyone's walking with a rope, but, like, in order to move forward with the rope, everyone's got to move. So the rope's not going anywhere. You know, so you're, we're just, like, totally stuck. And so we say, okay, we'll just start walking without the rope. So, so, and we did, we did, you know, try to figure out where we were going beforehand, and uh, and we start, you know, walking through, and the kids start getting really scared. Okay, they start getting really scared, and we continue walking, and like sort of like holding on to us, and the, even the Majrachim didn't bring, uh, you know, flashlights, and uh, and we continue walking, and uh, and and then it was like a little bit muddy. Okay. <laughs> And the kids start screaming like, "My shoes are getting dirty!" No, 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 no. And I remember one kid yelling at me like, "These are a hundred dollar sneakers, you know. And, you know, now they're wet and dirty, and you know." And it was, and and we ended up like stopping. And we're like, "Okay, this is not going well." And um, but the problem is that we were lost, so we didn't know <laughs> And like it really wasn't clear how to get back to camp. And then Judah Marin's this really smart boy, an amazing, amazing, you know, amazing boy. And he was in the Chanich of mine. He was also my neighbor. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. But he, you know, in all the chaos, he said, wait a second, I see light over there. That's camp. Let's go back in that direction. And he, uh, and he, and he saved us. And we, we got out of the mud. We got out of the water. And we, and I was a little scared because the lake was nearby. I mean, it wasn't so far from the from the camp lake. So we, we okay. So why don't tell what. Why does history repeat itself? Yeah, exactly. And we were going to be like the chalutzim. Like that was the we were, you know, <laughs> who, 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 who I think that was the whole like narrative. You know, just like the. Uh, the, you know the uh, the Chalutzim had to had to um, enter enter Israel and uh, you know and get them you know away from the British. Yeah. So too we were we were like doing the same thing anyway. <laughs> tough. But here the the Kohanim, their feet are going to be wet in the in the Jordan River. Okay, but this is all planned, and that's that's part of the point here. We'll see that this is planned. Ta'amodu. So Vayomri Yoshua b'nei Yisrael. So Yoshua says to Ben Yisrael, Come forward and hear the words of Hashem. Through this you will know that God is in, in your midst. So this is not just going to be a, they're not just dealing with logistics here. This is going to be a religious experience, a chavaya, that they are going to cross the Jordan, okay, and there are going to be some miracles here. Yoshua's name is going to be great, and I'll just remind you, what happens at... Yamsuf, for example. What, what happens to Moshe Rabbeinu's reputation at Yamsuf? Just 
Jewish people have faith, more faith in Moshe Rabbeinu at Yamsuf. Now they're going to have more faith in Yehoshua. Okay, but this is, so this is going to be a religious experience crossing the, the, mighty, the mighty Jordan. Okay, uh, and, and Yeshua tells the people, you're going to know that God is in your midst. And know, because of this experience, that God will conquer Eretz Yisrael for you. The Chitim and the Kananim and all these different tribes. Okay, does this ring a bell? Uh, this this experience does this? I don't know. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to there. Okay, next. In Aaron Abrita Don behold, the Aaron will go forward. Okay, which is like sort of the the, the master of, of of the earth. Over by It's gonna go in the Jordan first. The Aaron is going in first. And he tells, says, take 12 men from the Jewish people, one per, per, per tribe. And when the feet of the Kohanim rest on the ground, in the, in the water in the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will split. The water that's coming from the north will stand up in one, one um, sort of wall. Okay, there will be a wall of water. Okay. So, and they're traveling from their tents. Okay, and the Konim are before the people. And when the carriers of the Aaron, these are the Kohanim, Levim, uh, you know, put their feet in the water, and notice what it says here. The Jordan was full because this is the... Uh, now, that's interesting. This wasn't... Yeah, I guess this is not Katsir. The Katsir hasn't happened yet. The harvest has not happened yet, Dafka. Is that the barley harvest? Maybe it's the barley harvest. Let me just see what some of the, the Parshanim say about this. Because Nachon, this is, this is a bit strange. Okay, Rashi says, Yimshayimei Nisan Yimei Katsir Heim. Okay, Nisan is when you start harvesting. I thought Shavuot was a little bit more uh, Shavuot, but maybe it's for different things. Um... Um, okay, again, this is around the time of Nisan. They're going to keep Pesach soon, as we'll see. Um, yeah, so, so the water is full. It's at the end of the winter, at, at the very least. Um, one second. Oh, fine. This is interesting. He says, it was full like it would continue to be during the Yemei which follows after this. Why? Because the water, the, the, not the water, the snow on the mountain, the Hermon, ends up filling up the Kinara, which then fills up. Okay. Okay, so they also they were crossing the time of Nisan, um, and and it was and it was full. Okay, um, yeah, so this is a clear miracle. Um, 
ויעמדו המים היורדים מלמעלה, קמו נד אחד, הרחק מאוד מאדם העיר אשר מצד צרתן, והיורדים על הים הערבה ים המלח תמו נכרתו ועמבו נגד יריחו. The water, okay, and we're going to go into this into more detail next week, but the water stops. There's a wall of water, so nothing's flowing further south. Now, whatever water was there continues flowing. So what do you have? You have this whole open area that's dry, becomes essentially dry land. And where is this dry land? Okay, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's all the way from, from Adam, a place called Adam, Besides what's called Tsartan, um, and it, it all flowed all the way down to the to the Dead Sea. Okay, and it becomes open open territory. So the Konim they stay in the uh, in the what is that? They stay in the uh, the Jordan in the in the dry land. Okay, they're standing there firmly. And the Jewish people walk in the dry land. What is Kherava? Does that remind you of another story? No, who else walks in dry land? Until everyone crossed the Jordan. Okay, that's already the next parak. Until everyone crosses the Jordan. Okay, this is the story of crossing the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about some parallels that we have to, lo and behold, the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Okay? So Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Jewish people, are also crossing the Jordan. What are some of the similarities and differences between... So tell me what are the similarities. <laughs> Sorry, not the Jordan. My mistake. The Yamsuf. First of all, there's there's crossing a river, a body of a, a river, okay, a, a, or a certain body of water. Mm-hmm. Why is that significant? Is that, what does that suggest? Okay, they're entering a new, not just a new territory. A cleansing. Uh, okay, maybe there's a, maybe there's a cleansing aspect to it, mm-hmm. but there's there's they're entering, they're they're, they're divorcing, they're. They're leaving their past. It, there's a real, there's a rite of passage here. Okay? And this comes up in a number of places in Tanakh. Yaakov Avinu has to cross the Ya'abok when he, come, when he leaves to go to Lavan. It's in our parsha, And when he comes back in next parsha, he crosses the Jordan. And that is like a, it, it's, a it's a very significant moment. Okay? It's a moment of, of transformation. It's a pivotal moment. It's a crossroads of sorts. And the Jewish people, just like when we leave, when we go through Yamsuf, we're leaving Mitzrayim behind. So what are the Jews leaving behind in this instance? They're leaving behind the miraculous life in the desert. Although I would also suggest they're leaving more than that behind. The Jews, it takes, you know, it's easy to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. It's much harder to take the Mitzrayim out of the Jews. The Jews are still, you know, it takes a long time, 40 years to undo uh, the slave mentality that they experience in, after, after being, you know, being in Mitzrayim for so long. They didn't need to make any decisions. Correct. They didn't need to make any decisions. Reminds me, has anyone here seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? I'm sure I've quoted this before. Okay, incredible movie. If you, who has not seen it? Okay, Maureen, it's going to be a, it's going to be a movie day today. The Shawshank Redemption. 
Yeah, you have to see it. Yeah, it's an incredible movie. Very deep, incredible movie. I don't want to give away too much, but there's, but there's one, there's one character in the movie who's in jail for a very long time, and he's let out of jail, but he doesn't know how to deal with life outside of jail, because he is a slave in this case, a jail mentality. Okay, he's lost his independence. The Jewish people struggle with this, of regaining their independence. Many, many prisoners of of jail actually plan to go back. They do something they know they'll be caught. I've worked with, I've worked with prisoners and it was very this well This is the problem. Just, there's no, there are no perfect solutions for dealing with criminals in society. No, because so. they, everything's done for them. It, yeah, it's a problem. There are, there are different ways of rehabilitation, you know. Okay, but, but, uh, but that's part of the story. Correct, correct. Now, this, there are a number of parallels Okay, so what are they giving up? There's still, to some degree, this is an extension, a continuation of Kriyat Yamsuf. They're still giving up and divorcing themselves from Mitzrayim. Okay, that's a process that's still happening. Um, but there are many linguistic parallels. Just like the Jewish people camp at Yamsuf at night, they're also camping here at night. Okay, um, the, uh, there's the Amur Anan that's in front of them now. There's the Aron that is, uh, that is in front of them. Okay, but the major difference... Okay, there's a major difference between Kriyat Yamsu's story and this story. Okay? The major difference is that who is orchestrating the story of Kriyat Yamsuf? Hoshein Hashem. Hityatzvu uru at Yishuat Hashem. Vayosha Hashem bayom ahu. Hashem saves. Hashem does everything. You stand here, Hityatzvu uru at Hashem, v'atem tachorishun. You just be quiet. You just watch. Take in what you see. The Jewish people don't need to do anything. Here, things are flipped. The Aaron is being carried by the Kohanim. They stand in the water. There are 12 people who, as we'll see, are going to take stones out. Am Yisrael are preparing. They're sanctifying themselves. They are a part of this process. They are partners in this process. Uh, there's an element of autonomy, of independence, of partnership, which didn't exist before. And beforehand, they had no choice. They were forced to go into Yamsuf. The Egyptians were coming. Yeah. So they so they went in. That's what you do. Out of fear, out of chaos, out of shock. Here, this is a planned process. In three days, you will be crossing the Jordan. Okay? And this signifies some of the differences the Jewish people have gone through. They are now more independent. They are now more mature. They now have responsibility on their shoulders. Not everything is in God's hand anymore. Right? That's the, uh, obviously God is helping them. And there is an element of miracle here. There is. But it's not quite the same thing as, uh, as, the, uh, as, as Kriyat Yamsuf. In both cases, they're severing with the past. Okay, but are they being forced into the waters, the, the dry land of Yamsuf? Or are they choosing to go there, walking steadily? Not, no one's chasing them. They are... There, you know, and, right? Sometimes we have pushes and pulls in life, right? We know sometimes you can make aliyah out of fear, and you know anyone who comes here, wow, we say kol kavod for coming here, right? We don't, but you can come here out of fear because of anti-Semitism, because you're pushed out, yeah. or you can come here because you choose to come here, okay? And uh, and you know we want everyone to come. We want everyone to also choose to be here, right? We don't want we don't want Jewish communities to to you know to to be under attack, and that's why people are making aliyah. That's not. 
That's not. I mean, it, maybe in the larger scheme of things, it's good. Okay, Jews are coming to Israel, but we don't. We don't want that to be the way it happens. But if they're making Aliyah, they didn't start yesterday. They started a while back, and it yeah. so happens that the, mm. so the actual Aliyah coincides with our problem. Correct. That's a good way of looking at it. Uh, also, if you recall, that the reason they didn't go to Eretz Plishtim, the Jews didn't go to Eretz Plishtim. A number of, you know, because Hashem thought the Jewish people would be afraid. And then the war would happen and they'd run back to Mitzrayim. So there's a whole mindset of fear surrounding Kriyat Yamsuf. Fear which, which does also hope, hopefully create a sense of reverence. But they are still slaves. And then immediately after Kriyat Yamsuf, they start complaining. Okay, and they, they're fighting, and uh, water, this and that, and etc., etc. So, so, so it's uh, it's the Jewish, the Jewish way. Nachon, nachon. The um, just one more example of another person who who goes through a sort of a rite of passage with um, through water is Avraham. Avraham and Sarah cross Nahar Prat. You know, when they come to Eretz Yisrael, Nahar Prat is all the way up in uh, Lebanon. Okay, and uh, so they had to cross Nahar Prat in a sense. And Avram's on one side, the rest of the world is on the other side. Ivri, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so there's, there's, there's this idea of, of crossing water, body of water is about divorcing with the past and, and moving forward to a new destiny. So Tov, we'll stop here. And we'll talk a little bit more about the miracle of the Yamsuf next week. But we move on to Perik Dalid of Sefer Yoshua next week. Shkoch, everybody. Yom Tov, Bethulah.